Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This week we have two very special guests from the U television show, the shit you guys have all been talking about online. Sarah Gamble, co-creator of the series, writer. We also have Caroline Kepnes, the author of You, Hidden Bodies, and I believe she's also a consulting producer on the series. Thank you, ladies, for coming in today. Really appreciate you coming through. Um, I want to get the hardest question out of the way first. <laughs> I feel like I know the answer, but I have to I have to start this way. Um, what's going on with season three? <laughs> it's, we were bracing ourselves. It's a podcast, so you can't, what's the hardest question? Yeah, right? yeah, yes. yeah, yes. yeah. What is the meaning of life? Yes. <laughs> Hopefully there will be a season three. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of ideas for season three. Yeah, There has to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, needs to be. Yeah. If I, I'm or getting, what, Caroline? <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I forget now that I can't say things like that without yeah, yeah. scaring people a little bit. Yeah. That seems like the whole news. It's like every every story I've looked online the last couple of days has been, okay, here's another little nugget about season three. I'm like, because I read on Deadline, it, it's so weird. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you might be getting a season three because there's a tax credit that got yeah. awarded or whatever, but that doesn't mean anything. Do you remember when until- that happened for season two and then we got canceled? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because well, even in Yeah, the, that's right. It almost didn't It almost didn't happen. Well, we yeah. got a wonderful early pickup from Lifetime, Lifetime which mm-hmm. is where we were, in order to be in the lottery to mm-hmm. get that tax credit. Then we got the tax credit and then we got canceled anyway. Mm-hmm. So... But it has a happy ending, this story. <laughs> 100%. 100%. I'm, I'm writing the third book, almost done with it, So, and I'm spoiled now, so there there has to be season three. <laughs> you were really in like a uh, a George R.R. R. Martin situation, you yeah. know, real game throws right now. Yes, <laughs> it's, it. It, well, I mean, is it a situation where, have you guys, you're almost done with the book. Are there thoughts then for how the book's going to translate for season three? Will there be differences? Will it be kind of similar? There will be differences, okay. and I'm pretty pleased with, yes, I love when Sarah makes twists and turns, mm. and I can't wait to see see because there will be a season three i'll just keep saying it thank so, you yes just just, just you, from from your from I your that. from your lips to god's ears mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. well i mean the creator of, of the the book cage when she says there will be no pressure she would never do anything bad to you no i don't know where any of them live yeah. <laughs> now when um I, the, well, I guess the, the whole thing about a season three is the fact that, you know, the way season two ends, that was the immediate question. It's like, okay, why is he, you know, risking his entire life for whoever is, is the neighbor? The, who do you think, or who did you want the neighbor to be? Yeah, I've already started dream casting. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm thinking like Mad Dynamic. Oh. Because I picture, is, am I wrong or am I picturing it like an older woman? It felt bit? like an older woman. I can't say anything. Wow. Okay. 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 That's a good time. I, I like her though. I feel like she's on another Greg Berlanti show, perhaps. Um, yeah, she is on Riverdale. Yeah. Riverdale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is yeah. Betty's mother. I mean, you know. We well, can who take isn't on a Greg Berlanti show? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He, he has 15. You're right, yeah. Let's take it back. Everybody's been talking about how, oh, you has very Gone Girlish vibes. But I didn't realize, you know, 
you worked with Jillian yes, back in the yes, day. Yes, we were at Entertainment Weekly together. What was in the water cooler at Entertainment Weekly? Something, you know? <laughs> and I mean, we went through September 11th there too. Oh, wow. Where yeah. that was something to be here. And we all thought, we had this meeting where it was like, this is the end. Like, there might be no more entertainment. It felt like, mm. you know, like things were really changing and then things slowly went back to a new normal. But yeah, something was in the water. <laughs> we used to go to Victor's across the street do you know that yeah i'm like they put something in our drinks clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well I, and i guess you know the, the book's a sensation i also was reading an, an, an interview where someone was asking you oh well, is there going to be a film coming and you were kind of like let's chill on that talk right now so i guess sarah what's how do you get into the picture with developing the sh the book into the series that everybody loves now um that's all greg berlanti so okay. he had the book early and he called me. We had um, been wanting to work together for a while, mm -hmm. luckily for me. And um, he was like, I'm reading this book. It feels like I'm binging a TV show. Mm -hmm. um, so just read it. And if you feel the way I feel, call me back, basically. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it didn't take long. It takes like 20 pages. Mm -hmm. Not even, I mean, really right away. Because when you're reading the book, for people who haven't read it, it's all in that second person. It's all you this, you that, from the very first sentence of the book. Mm -hmm. So um, it was unusual. I mean, that feeling that... I was deep inside this person's head right from the beginning. And then right around the time I was reading it and I was like, oh, I've been wrong about this guy. He's terrible. Yeah, yeah. I loved him. He's terrible. <laughs> I think I still love him. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. There's a TV show here for sure. It's all good. A, a real piece of trash that you don't want to stop watching. Yeah, yeah. Sheesh. Uh, Unrelated. And how did you two connect? Uh, we had a meeting, right? Yeah, I remember that day. Yes, I felt like I was going to the first day of school and I was nervous and I remember sitting next to you and thinking, I think that's you. And I looked you up and I knew it was you, but I was mm -hmm. like, mm, yeah. And of course, I mean, the thing, people can't see you, they should, if they want to Google you, you're a very like sweet, young, blonde girl, lady, woman, but you know, you don't know what's going to walk in who's been writing about putting people in a cage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just a little breath of sunshine. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I, like, how did you come up with this? I did used to work in a bookstore and okay. we did have a basement. <laughs> There was no cage, okay. but there were a lot of books down there, and it was just a little creepy, and there were all these old Playboys, and mm. my dad was going to come over and go downstairs. I'm like, just, I don't want to know what's going on down there. <laughs> and yeah, so it's just, I feel for me, especially that first book that you really get into and finish, is like your whole life coming together. Like, I did lose my father. Mm -hmm. I had trouble with work. You know when you have trouble in every area of life? Mm -hmm. And for me, Joe was like that little best friend who was awful, but he was making me laugh. And it was like, I'm sending chapters to my mom and her sisters and then talking about things I don't want to talk about with my mom and sisters. Oh, wow. Like, it's a very, you know, sexual book. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, yeah, it was like, it was a fun, it was like a healing process. Yes. And was the goal also always to kind of subvert romantic comedies that we've Absolutely. and tropes that Part we've come of it, to like, know? I watch so much TV and so many movies and I tend to watch things over and over. Mm -hmm. So at that time I was watching Pitch Perfect like repeatedly <laughs> and it was like, oh, now it counts as research. <laughs> <laughs> you write all that stuff off, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's where the show, the first time I walked into the writer's room, it was like there have been so many like happy tears moments, but you had broken down all the beats of a rom-com mm -hmm. and there they were on the wall. And I was like, yes. We got, like this is it. We're literally on the same page. Right mm -hmm. But there was another part to that, right? So we 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 broke down the ten. There are ten major plot points in every romantic comedy movie, and we put them right next to the ten major plot points for every horror movie. Oh wow! Yep. And we nice. kind of did both in season one. Damn, yeah. damn, very very genius. And I guess that that kind of speaks to you know those are two genres that I mean, a Netflix is really you know establishing themselves in and, and mashing them together is really perfect. And I think it he was a guy who was watching it when it was on Lifetime. 
You know, he knew about it and told yeah. me about it. But I remember, I literally remember the day it hit Netflix and my Twitter going crazy. Like, what mm-hmm. is this show? What's going on? Um, but then a year later, it seems like it, there was a mushroom cloud and everybody's latching on to it. Um, were you guys surprised at all at like the increase of eyeballs on the show and the talk about it? Were you surprised? No, because I had seen it and I'm like, oh my God, like it just, it, the, it's this engine, it's a bull that's like just going, going, going. And I felt like it would be that, but it's a day, like then I didn't want to, you know, you just don't know, but mm. I wasn't surprised. It's, you know, I, I never assume anyone will watch anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I try to just stay really pessimistic and be pleasantly surprised if mm. people come to it, but this is easily the craziest thing I've ever been a part of, just yeah. in terms of the amount of response online and the memification of the whole show. <laughs> yeah, well, the, 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 who, whoever's running the at you Netflix account, so good, amazing. It. We have to send them a fruit basket. Yeah, yes. for real. I mean, Some yeah. prosecco, the something. And the Twitter, I'm constantly <laughs> like, Edibles. oh my yeah. god. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is. It, it's it's one of those channels. Like Netflix is really good at social, but I think that account specifically, just the voice that it has, it's. It's spot on. I yeah. think uh, you know it, it. It there's so many people I know who are still like, damn. I see people talking about it, and they're on their Instagram story. All right, firing up season one. You know, I need to get get on board with that stuff. Um, you know, it's pretty amazing. Um, can you guys talk about you know the different? Because obviously, season two jumps across the country. What was it like r- putting Joe in LA and having him in her? There's a lot of you know, very LA centric stuff. Was that was that fun for you to kind of dive oh, into yeah. that I mean, world? For me, like halfway through the first book, I was like, I'm writing a second book and I'm torturing him and I'm sending him to LA. It's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. it's this, to me, it was the natural, like, gotta get him out of his comfort zone mm-hmm. and like find a way to put him in a place where he's just going to be extremely challenged mm-hmm. and possibly grow or think that he's growing. Yeah. So I was so happy that we got to see this happen in the show too. Mm-hmm. At yes. first I did miss New York. Because one of the highlights of season one to me were almost the inside jokes and kind of skewering Mm -hmm. of New York culture. But then you guys really got into it with L.A. Yeah. I miss it, too. I miss shooting here because we were shooting here in town. And I mean, you know, anything I would say about it is a cliche, but there's no place like this. No, it's so much fun. You know, I love Canada. I shoot a lot in Vancouver. It's Mm -hmm. a beautiful place. But when you shoot in New York City, you can walk around the corner and get the best coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) See the most interesting people. (laughs) Yeah, and when the cops like, we're shooting here. You can't go on the street, and it's like, no, that's us. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, it feels important. But LA has so much that needs to be skewered. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's time for all of us. I I really felt like a lot of people were getting a lot of demons out in the writer's room. 100%. 100%. I mean, a Navarin is definitely a an Erwan send-up, right? In a certain kind of way, yeah. Okay. I mean, Erwan is probably the most... I mean, it's like walking into Disneyland for organic food to me. Everything is so delicious, and they have a vitamin for everything, but I definitely (laughs) could not afford to shop there when I first was living in Los Angeles. It was aspirational for me. It's Yeah, in L.A., those grocery stores, I'd lived in New York, and when I moved there, the one around the corner from me, it was just so nice and beautiful and posh, and it's like you walk in there and feel like you start to think, oh, I am one of those people, and you get to that register, and no, you know, but going, I feel like it's good. It's like a form of, you know, self-care. Yeah. It is a big mm-hmm. difference between yeah. New York and L.A. I mean, both are foodie towns in very different ways. And mm-hmm. you can get deep into all different kinds of food here in New York. But there's a certain deification of wellness 
that's happening mm. in LA that's on a whole other level right. that again was begging yes. to um, have someone take the piss out of it a little bit. Yeah. Well done there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we saw a lot of that with Love's friend group in the same way that uh, Beck's friends like Peach and uh, the, who's the the influencer Annika? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lynn Which one Annika? was more fun to write for though? They were all fun, but in different ways. Okay. I mean, Peach is kind of on a level all her own, I have to say, starting with the book. Um, And, you know, the Peach in the book is slightly different than the one on the show, Mm -hmm. not least because we were able to cast Shane Mitchell in the role, and she just brings so much Mm -hmm. um, that's unique and very Shay Mm -hmm. about the role. (laughs) Um, She just wears clothes so well. It changed the way I thought about Peach. Like, crazy beautiful. And then I go to my DMs, and there's like a picture of a page of the book, and she's like, was the intention here this? And I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) She's like a power, like the She's an A plus plus student slash professor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the hardest working actors I've ever ever met. Yes. Nice. Nice. Peach Salinger is still probably the best name on a show full of great names. Your naming of people... I like to name, I mean, since I was a kid, I name everything. In my apartment, I have a name for my couch and my coffee table. Like, I have a disorder with it. Yeah. I don't know. There's probably a name for that. <laughs> it has been fun. I, I try not to go online too much, but it, it was really fun to see the moment people started to get it, that 11 40 were named after tennis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what, what, what well you the... showed them playing tennis. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. But, I mean, is, is there a backstory? Because I've not read Hidden Bodies. I've, I've not gotten into it. Is, is there a backstory where they have, like, a whole tennis background, their it's, parents? And... Yeah, I mean, I basically, I played when I was in high school, okay. and there, I, the local paper called me the comeback kid. And I was going through an awkward time, and they had printed this really awful picture. And I was just like, and the whole thing was like, you know, loser, loser, like, one final, you know. And it got, like, it always stayed with me that, like, 40 sounds good, but it's not enough to win. And mm. love means nothing. And I just, I like overthinking. It's like, yeah. you know when you smoke a little and you're like, yeah, wow, yeah. man. Like, yeah. <laughs> With their dynamic as siblings, it makes a lot of sense. Did love, the name love come first? I was on the train on the way back to Boston from New York. And I just remember being on the train and a little hungover, tired, writing and telling my a friend of mine. And she was like, no. And I'm like, yes. And I like when people are like, no, it's a good sign because you got to work your ass off to like make it work. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess it it lends itself because I I found myself watching when I was initially watching the screeners with the subtitles on just because of his narration and the way he bounces the word actually using like the lowercase love love and her name. Like it's it's just it's really playful like that. And, um, you know, I thought I thought it was a great choice. I thought it was it it was really awesome to uh, to work that in. And then but it it really wasn't until maybe like episode five or six where I'm like, wait a minute. I got the joke. Wait a minute. There's some tennis shit going on here. Um, But, you know, the the one thing that, you know, the, the conversation after, especially after season two with everybody diving into it has been a question about Joe specifically. I know Penn has been out and Penn's kind of been taken aback by people kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, making him the, the new Internet daddy and things like that. You know, is it is it, it do you guys ever like are you conflicted with making him kind of too human because he is still kind of like he's an antihero, but he is like a murderer. You know, is, is there what's the balance there? I'm not conflicted about it. No, I mean, for me, like, he's a good listener. He writes a good love letter. Mm -hmm. He does all of these things that we do, like, we look the other way when people behave that way. Mm -hmm. And that's what kind of got me going. And that's where I feel like 
he's so good at showing that because mm-hmm. when he's doing good, when he's with those kids, when he's like yeah. out for good, and then when I'm writing, I'm like, I, someone today asked me something about what I think of him. I'm like, I think so much more about the way he sees himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. that it's really appealing when someone is being their own best friend, well, and he certainly is his own best friend. It's not like we're trying to trap the audience so we can put them in a cage. You 100%, know? Yeah, the, yeah. the point of making the show is to explore why we let dudes like that get away with so much, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and to, so to do that, you have to put a very watchable version of that. Because to me, just even as a woman living in the world, I don't really walk down the street scared of the weird-looking guy who creeps me out. Because mm-hmm. I know to stay away mm-hmm. from that mm-hmm. person. But if I met... Joe Goldberg as played by Penn Badgley Mm -hmm. in a cafe and he was like what are you reading oh I've read that book let's have an opinion about it then I probably would want to have a conversation with somebody like that that's terrifying because Mm -hmm. he's you know literally chopping people up Um, and that's something it's a you know pretty universal I'm confident in saying it's a fairly universal fear Mm -hmm. for Certainly women, but just single people dating, mm-hmm. um, that you're going to meet someone. People in this room are nodding. No, I, mean, it's, 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 I, I think, in, in, especially in a, in a time where there's so many true crime documentaries on Netflix, right. like yeah. people are more aware and they're more, they're, they're sensible, they're heightened for stuff like that. And it's like, we've all seen the movies <clears throat> and read the books and we all know how to present as normal. Mm-hmm. So in that way, if some guy, yeah, is talking about books and we all know that reading promotes empathy and like... Like, you just wouldn't think. That's what they say. Wow. That's what I learned in school. Now, there are people, though, who um, are worried that the show is encouraging you to root for Joe. This, I don't think we're encouraging people to root for Joe. I think you're along for the ride in his point of view. But we spend a lot of time talking about how to show you both things. Mm -hmm. Um, You start out very, very much inside his point of view Mm -hmm. and kind of taking his word for it because we're used to just taking the word of the narrator of a story. Um, But then over time, it becomes clear that, you know, in in season one, for example, right around the time you're inside Beck's head Mm -hmm. instead of Joe's head, you're starting to realize oh, he's wrong about her. He's presuming things when Mm -hmm. he watches her that are not actually true. Um, And I think from that point on, you get to watch the show wondering what he's interpreting right and what he's interpreting wrong. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, In between seasons, especially while you're breaking season two, were you aware of um, the reaction to the finale with Beck dying? People felt conflicted about, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where it goes from there and, and... if they were going to be watching a show continuously watching a murderer get away with it. Right. I mean, he's got to get away with it a little bit so we have more show. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, But, you know, I I really like watching shows where at the end of every season they just blow it all up and you're like, how the fuck is this person going to figure out another season? Like, how do they get out of that? Mm -hmm. Um, Paint yourselves into a corner. Yeah, Yeah, so that's kind of the philosophy, certainly of the writers of the show, the makers of the show, where like, let's paint ourselves into a crazy corner, then go have a nap, have a snack, (laughs) meet back here, hopefully, and talk about the next season. Um, And then we'll just start asking questions and write our way back out of it. But I will say, like, as a because ha- I know it's it's you fall in love with Beck. You watch her all season. He kills her. Mm. Um, the point of the show is definitely not to redeem 
Joe Goldberg. Yes. I mean, the point of the show, if we go on long enough, might be to put him in a terrible, torturous prison camp at some point. <laughs> that would be what he deserved. Um, like, death is too good like for him in a certain way. He's in the death camp and he falls in love with like one of the women's security guards or something like that. It will never end for him. <laughs> it's always someone new. I you, you mentioned earlier about Joe chopping bodies up, and I, uh-huh. I felt like season two was a little bit more graphic like i think to uh you know the meat grinder situation was that or the finger definitely a, se- a severing <laughs> finger early on um yeah. was, was there a uh an initiative or like at least you know a drive <laughs> a drive to make it a little more a petition. yeah a little a petition to make it a more little more gory. gory yeah no no um not uh not an official one um i think we just became comfortable having fun with the show i mean there's some there's some pretty we clock Shane Mitchell in the head with a rock. Yes, yes, season one. yes. She's pretty bloody in that scene. Um, but the, you know, I guess probably I should own it. I'm a horror movie fan. I really like gore. I'm with it. Um, and, and used to write for Supernatural. I did, yeah, mm-hmm. just for, only for the first seven seasons. That show has been on forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I enjoy that, um, that kind of horror movie violent. You know, episode eight obviously is our kind of love letter to Kubrick. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the conversation we, we generally have though is we try to make sure we're being really careful about when we show really graphic violence. I think it's part of the um, responsibility of a show like ours is to make sure we're not being gratuitously violent, especially against the women on the show, right. I think. It's like there's a difference between the way that Joe is seeing these women and the way that we as an audience or the filmmaker is seeing that actress through a lens. Mm-hmm. So you might notice that we are much more thoughtful and we're not we're not so glib when it's a girl on the chopping block. Gotcha. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because we're not making a show in order to do violence against women. We're making a show about a man who does violence in the name of women. And against gotcha. people. Yeah. And like and and for me, like when he went in the second book, he's going to LA on a revenge mission and in an angry state mm. and he's surrounded by all these people who were like, I'm gonna make it. So it puts him in a <laughs> darker mood. And I like when you are in LA and you don't necessarily want to be and to me, it <laughs> just feels like a place where you can get away with things. And it, I know it brought out more violence in the second book, and I was happy to see that in the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's it. true, too. The second book is more violent. He kills a lot more people in book two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. yes. And to that point, how closely do you two work together set, like when you're breaking a season uh, and adapting the book? Well, in season one, we were lucky we got you for an episode. You wrote an episode. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Now you're but too busy. Then this us. year, I was like, I have to write the third book, and I can't go back and forth. And they're, do- I mean, it's like clearly you're doing wonderful jobs. So yeah, <laughs> we send the material to Caroline first yeah. mm-hmm. before we send it to our benevolent overlords mm-hmm. at the studio and, and network. And so, and early in the season, we sat down and talked about what the season was going to be. So yeah, we have we just this like, like keep book you club where everyone has their book and they're like, what on this chapter? And I'm like, I don't remember. I have to go look. Yes. <laughs> oh my. And season one had a lot of fun. Um, well, not fun, but a lot of important <laughs> uh, like Me Too elements, like with Beck's professor mm-hmm. and stuff. And I felt like you guys upped that with two, obviously with the Chris Delia storyline. Um, it, what's interesting is that the hashtag Me Too movement didn't start until we had already shot season oh, one. Wow, Obviously, yeah, yeah. when that hashtag trended is not when the problem was invented. Right. It's just when the conversation really came to the forefront. Like mm-hmm. Harvey Weinstein, that story broke while we were in post That's on wow. episode wow. one. That's yeah. right, because then you added, right? Yeah, there's a, the, you, if yes. you look, there's a text where we call someone a Harvey, which is something we just oh, put in there okay. you know, as mm-hmm. a little... Um, thank you to the women who reported him. There you go. Basically, um, to honor them, <laughs> we uh, took the piss out of him. But um, you know, as as. 
Caroline and I talk about all the time, she wrote the book partly because she's a woman who just experiences life on Earth. Yeah, um, there's yeah. plenty to talk about, and um, you know, especially fun and interesting in making this show is that there's also a flip side, which is that like our culture doesn't just set stuff up so that it's impossible for a woman like Beck to win. Mm -hmm. It also sets stuff up so it's impossible for men to win. Mm -hmm. Um, So we talk a lot about how toxic and terrible the messages are that we're teaching our boys as well because that, you know, basically what we're doing is extrapolating the very worst case scenario of what all of the white knight kind of messages would do to an unhinged mind Mm -hmm. um, like Joe's. But in the room where where we work with men who are a lot saner and have killed far fewer zero people um, we talk yeah so, so that's, you know the conversation is not just like let's bash dudes it's you know women are talking about the things that upset anger scare them um the weird professor they had in college and then the men in the room are talking about the pressure that they felt growing up too and the messages that they got about this like impossible sort of box we put guys into romantically as well yeah, the constant message like, don't take no for an answer, go, you know, throw rocks at the window, bring her flowers, and she's keep asking, keep asking. And to me, that was what got me going to mm. start this, like, well, wait a minute. You do want that, but then you want to be able to decide exactly where that boundary is, right, and that's yeah. not fair for anyone. That's you know, what is so ask- exciting about the show, yes. make, getting to make the show, is that I always feel like that when I'm watching romantic comedy movies. I love them. Mm, I'm so swept up. I love the guy. I want to date him. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm aware that he's being a fucking criminal. Yes, <laughs> yes. At that moment, he's stalking her. You're very he's creepy. going through her drawer. He's just like so saying, many... You mean yes? It's terrible. <laughs> and there are so many great mu- music videos from the past where they yes. just show the guy, like, relentlessly, Well, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. It's I'm coming so back. Yeah. It's like, ooh. Yeah. Well, it's, it, I mean, we just got out the holiday season. It reminds me of the baby, it's cold outside conversation. Like, oh. that. that's the weirdest, like, I'm not leaving. We're doing something. <laughs> something tonight <laughs> song ever and that, I mean that's that's kind of I guess Joe grew up on it's weird <laughs> you, yeah you, you, that's you, his favorite song you, you talk about you know like the white knight and you know America and it, yeah. it's it's always weird I, I loved looking at how Joe was brought up because you know you get an, you not only get an idea of how he became who he is now mm-hmm. but you also realize that like that's probably why he's so, he ends up being really trash to kids like you know I'm, I'm after finishing season two I went back and watched season one and I've I, I don't know if I blocked it up. I'm like, damn, he was really cool with Paco. And then Paco just kind of like his life just blows up. And then you go back and Ellie's in the same situation. I mean, it's it, poor can, Ellie. Poor Ellie is right. Poor Ellie is right. He it's, tries, but he can't fix the whole world. But he he's trying. Yeah. You know? he, he gets to a point and then it's like, all right, you killed the guy. Uh, we, 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 we can't get past that. Yes. So, it, I mean, can this man be a father? Well, he is. Yeah. He's going to be a father. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yes. my. Should he be a father? Probably not. Probably not. This but his best like, of course possi- but the best version of him comes out around children. That's something that we mm-hmm. show a lot in the show. And that's another thing that's just Greg Berlanti's pure brilliance. When we were writing the pilot together, he said, I think he should have a neighbor. I think he should be a kid, a boy. And then this would be the way that we could have Joe say out loud some of his sort of moral code. Mm-hmm. And we'd get to see the most human side of him. But it, So both things are true, I think, that he is really his best self with these young people. And he really wants to help them. But also that everyone who is pulled into Joe's orbit, or whose orbit Joe inserts himself into, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. Um pays a price for it yeah yes. yeah it was, it, and he doesn't see it that way like in, my, in the third book 
he's talking about the child and concern that like because of his the mother of the child has a brother that's a sociopath and he's like this kid is tainted with bad DNA yeah, it's, <laughs> from it's, other people yes, yeah, from not other people. yes. <laughs> not me at all not me at all no, it's, it's, it starts out trash mm-hmm. but we'll see uh, <laughs> that's a great segue into one of my favorite aspects about season two which is the idea of um, you know the obsessive person having an image of the person they're obsessing over mm-hmm. and then coming to learn that that's not true and the image kind of falling away yeah and in that scenario you would think that love would be compatible with Joe but it's of course a guy like him would be turned off by it right she's perfect for him in so many ways the real love mm-hmm. is actually much more like Joe than the fantasy that he had of her yeah. but that's another thing that I, I think is not so far from the way we non murdering people are in this world it's like who who was the one who originally joked about first you date their representative was that chris rock uh, there's yeah, a comedy yeah, thing yeah. about that i think that's true and not only do i think it's true i think it shows good judgment mm-hmm. on all our parts if we send our representative for a while yeah you need to yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like you shouldn't i would date someone who showed the real them too but um yeah it's a that is sort of uh one of the fatal flaws i think inside joe goldberg that he he thinks he's he wants to stick around to he wants to know everything about you he won't you know he'll he'll read your email he'll stay outside your window he'll do whatever it takes to know the real you but the um you know the kind of psychosis of romance is that you want that heightened feeling of desire and love that really is only there for the first little bit mm-hmm. while you're projecting all of your deepest desires on the person as anyone who's been in a long-term relationship knows it gets real at a certain point yes. and that's like right around the point he um, I don't know. Reality is the enemy of that, all that fantasy protection. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. He likes, we'll it's, say just he skips town and let. Yeah. <laughs> I know one thing that you brought up was uh, the idea of Candace. You know, I mean, a lot of people talk. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. About, you know, oh, well, she, in the book, she ended one way. And now season two, she's, you know, throughout the whole series. But, you know. Which the, is heaven. I love having two worlds. Yeah, I'm no, like, it's great. Like, yes. I, 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 as, as long, again, as long as you're, you're, it's your world. So as long as you're happy about it, I don't That's think anybody else matters. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but it's she comparing her to a Beck or a uh, a love she doesn't really I don't know where she fits in his and we never really got in the, to in the book like he did kill her yeah, she's yeah, dead, yeah. and that was his first like that's how it happened and you hear about that casually yeah, yeah and yeah. then he just doesn't talk about it like because he moves on and feels like <laughs> he talks about it a little bit in the third book like she he's met some terrible people who were who were incapable of love and being in a good relationship mm. and so he doesn't see it as what he did he sees it as what they what they were all complicit together, yeah. but it it just seemed, it, she didn't really seem like a comparing her to Beck and Love. She doesn't really seem like I don't want to say like Joe's ideal or like someone he would go after. But I mean, is is it fair to say that? 
Which, um, she might it, not have been his ideal image of, you know, a, a mate, a soulmate or what have you. In the show? Uh, yeah, in general. Oh, yeah, in no, general. see, I see it to me, like, she has it in her. Like, that's what I liked about her coming back and, and being with 40. You could see that she has it in her to be, like, the kind of girl that he would like. And mm. then she has that other side of her that's, you know, that he doesn't like. Insane. So, yeah, it goes back to what we were just about the projection and yeah. those heart glasses. That I mean, Like, that. there's a lot of symbolism in that, right? Right. Like, yes. We had to just shorthand that relationship in season one but the idea is that she's this free-spirited musician Mm -hmm. who does who wears the heart-shaped glasses and um you know so she's got kind of like a manic pixie dream girl kind of thing going (laughs) a little bit so she's also a human how dare she snuggling and reading together reading bronte and um so it was great for that four months before he realized she was cheating (laughs) actually what was behind the decision to keep her alive in the show uh First, the first part of it was just like, oh shit, I wouldn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want a nice juicy twist at the end. Once again, blowing it up. That is a really good. That was a really great blow up at the end. I was, I was again, fun. I wanted to see. I, I where the hell the rest of the episode? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it put a little pressure on us to cast her really well right in the middle of the season, which is not usually the time you're looking for future series regulars. So my story about that is, I've worked with Amber Childers before, and I love her and. Um, we were doing her deal, and it was like a very tight deadline. So I actually stepped out of Hamilton mm-hmm. to close that deal. Nice. That's how much I cared. Amber. That's insane. Oh, yeah. man, that was a lot for me. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> that, those tickets are not cheap, people. Yeah. Right? But I, I think it's important for us that it always feels like Joe's past could come back and okay. bite him in the ass at any time. And she's she's kind of our first major move like mm-hmm. that. But also, I feel like she's secretly the not even secretly she's sort of the hero mm-hmm. of season two. Yeah. Um, yeah. If we were telling a less subversive, less um, glib story, you know, if we were telling it from the point of view of someone who actually was doing something heroic, it would be a woman who had been victimized by somebody, was unable to get any traction within the system, and was um, doing whatever she had to do to just stop him from terrorizing people anymore. Right. Uh, and that person course, who is not going to forgive him. Right. It was the bullshit does not work. Oh, sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. I've been him. cursing this that's, whole time. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's my first yeah. one somehow. I think. <laughs> you're good. Keep them up. We need. We need more. We need oh, more. Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you talk about casting Amber. I w- I was I was already on board with season two, but when word came that Victoria was cast in season yeah. two, because I we were Hill House fans, and I was Love a fan of her specifically. Um, was it a situation where you saw her there and you said we need? Her or what was the process of getting her into season two? That was what happened. Gre- again, Greg. I feel like Greg is here with us today. Yeah. Yeah, hey, Greg. Um, how you doing? He texted me while he was watching Hill House and mm. said, "Have you seen it? I feel like this y- young woman who's playing the youngest sister could be love." And you know, I mean, he has like twenty hundred shows. Yeah, he, yeah. At least. he clearly <laughs> knows how to do some of this well. Um, he was just—he was right. It was the same with Penn. By mm. the way, we were looking far and wide, and we read a lot of really great actors and many interesting names were brought up but as soon as Penn's name was in the conversation Greg was like I think it needs to be him okay so yeah how has it been creating the character with Penn he's a dream to work with he's so he's all of the good parts of Joe that you want to date with none of the terrible (laughs) none of the murder he's um he's so he's um, kind of insanely experienced for an actor of his age because he's been doing it for so long. Right. He started when he was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's really thoughtful and he's wildly uncomfortable yes. with the role, yes. as he'll tell you. Almost <laughs> and I didn't think take that adds a lot to I feel like that's why he's so present mm-hmm. because that conflict in, it, it works out well for the show. It's sort of like you know? he's surrounded. Most of the people who make the show are women. 
So he's surrounded by women who are like, God, we get to do this. We get to talk about this. This is really fun. He's like, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. <laughs> it's not fun at all. But I mean, it's all—it's almost one of the more important jobs. Like you want to make sure that this character is as despicable as can be. So, you know, as a warning to people like, uh-huh. hey, at least be careful, you yeah, know. Yeah, and see those hypocrisies. And like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. why people like Penn and Chris, I mean, those are roles that actors are taking kind of understanding the message and the bigger picture mm-hmm. and that within that they have to play despicable terrible people yes. I um, loved Chris's Henderson so much yeah. Yeah, it made me very happy well, it was it was it was actually one of, it was interesting because at first obviously he puts up the facade you know well I don't say a facade but it's like you know the fuck cancer and you know he seems like <laughs> a, a lovable you know a man of the people but then he has a secret room yeah. as well and I remember reading and like what when he's bringing Ellie in and he's like, oh, are you sure? And I, in that moment, I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, idiot. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, you. Yeah, like, yes. So, so like, scared for her passed out on the couch. You know, I know. I, I, the last thing I wanted to see was her get messed up. Jeez. I think it was the Entertainment Weekly cover story where Penn was talking about how um, he feels like the uh, women on the show who write or created are always less creeped out than he is. Like, he's uncomfortable with some of the things you're asking him to do, like. Isn't that appropriate, though? I, I mean, I think it's it's a, it's a certainly it's a relief. I think yeah. Yeah. that he, uh, you know, he's he's rightly uncomfortable. He's keeping us all honest because we're not going to do anything gratuitous mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the conversation that we have is a pretty intellectual one about you know what we're doing with the character and why. And then within it, sometimes he's grinding up a human arm. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. For reasons. Gore. And I've actually seen that reflected in the viewers and people I talk to who watch the show. It's always men who are like viscerally uncomfortable mm-hmm. with watching Joe and women like I love it the show's so fun we're the real sickos you know <laughs> to an extent women like the same way we're messier overall I'm yeah but there, isn't there just that thing of like I knew that's what he was thinking mm-hmm. you know and so you yes. get to watch the show and be like see this is what I've been trying to tell you yeah. I walk down the street feeling like what if you're that guy it's yes. like a release mm-hmm. yeah exactly Th- these creeps are actually real it's hard and I know especially because these are your characters but gotta ask for both of you, who do you prefer, Love or Beck? Oh, can't make that. I mean, uh, those are your two children. Just can't. Sh- yeah. Also, when you write book, like, it's like, don't know that this is gonna happen. Don't think it's gonna happen. And then I'm like, why does he have to kill people? Because they're so good, yeah. the actors. And then, and he even in the third book, I'm like, in women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these new characters in book three, and I'm like, if we get to, it was hitting me like they're gonna die. Yeah, no. yeah. Like you don't want to make them too good. Yeah, but I can't pick between love. I mean, I genuinely, no, I can't yeah, pick between them. I mean, the for me the the deep pleasure of making the show is that because the vehicle of the show is a stalker who's watching people all the time, we get to create these characters of these young women and then get inside their lives on this very granular level. You don't always get to enjoy on a TV show mm-hmm. where it's not like, um, here's a, a 26-year-old woman and you're interested in her because she's a hostage negotiator. Yeah. And everything you're going <laughs> to learn about her is about hostage negotiation <laughs> versus like getting into the details of the you know what it's like to try to live in New York mm-hmm. in your early 20s and what it's like to try to make a name for yourself as a writer and just the the weirdness of dating. Yes. Right? So mm-hmm. for, TV about humans. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. to me, it's just like, for as long as we get to make the show, we get to create these um, three-dimensional characters who contain all of these different um, aspects of women. And we get to make, hopefully, lots of them. Hopefully, we won't kill all of them. Yeah. Um, yes. They won't all be Joe's type. Right. By season six, someone's <laughs> got to make it out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
<laughs> running down the street. Now I, I remember reading too that uh, Stephen King was a, was an early fan. Yeah. Do we know? Has he seen season two? Do, is, is, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I, I hope so. I wouldn't. You yeah. just made me so nervous no, no, no. to think that he'd be watching the show. I mean, he, he definitely is. He seems like he's very uh, he's very open with um, stuff that he loves on you know on social yeah. media. He will let people know. Um, yeah, when he tweeted that the book was original, I was like, I was in the Beverly Center and I had a fever and I don't like it there anyway. <laughs> and I'm in a store and I like left my wallet and I'm just like running around. And I go back and they're looking at me like I'm crazy because I, you know, everything fell. And I'm like, Stephen King just tweeted about my book. They're like, okay, like, uh, you know, it's you. good life moment. Yeah. <laughs> any 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 thoughts of maybe having him have a cameo on the show at some point? I mean, ooh, it's a lovely idea. Yeah, <laughs> he was he was just in it chapter two, so it makes me uh, it makes me wonder if he'd want do. A, maybe he works at a bookstore somewhere. Who knows? <gasps> yeah, he definitely seems like an owner. I, I, See, I, needs creepy on season owner. three. That's, yeah. that's 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 free idea on the table. Thank I, you. I, I, Appreciate that. Just, just let him know that you got it here first. I, yeah, we'll just say it with you. Um, but <laughs> before we get get out of here, I think one of the questions that um comes up when you know we're watching as a you know two black men, I I watch and I realize that. There's there is a hint of there's privilege because he's a man, but there is a hint of white privilege there. Um, because I I know if that was me, I couldn't. I don't think someone oh, no. that looked like yeah. you could walk around. It's more than a hint of white privilege. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, so so that's something in the writers' room where you guys are like, yeah, th- we understand. You know, that th- there's a larger picture here as well for uh, not just creepy right. men, but like a creepy white dude. Oh yes, that, okay. yeah. We try to understand. I mean, I wouldn't say that I could. I don't have a master's degree. I'm learning about it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm a white person. So I'm, just, <laughs> I'm a white passing ethnic minority. So mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. need to uh, l- continue to learn about it. But we talk about that all the time, okay. that he is in the sweet spot of maximum privilege mm-hmm. for our culture. And and it was important to us as the show evolved. Love, she's a woman, but she's in a sweet spot too. If mm-hmm. the, if we're ranking, she's very high on that ladder as yes, well, right. um, being a, you know, a white woman of means. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do talk about that. And we I, I think... I think just anyone who makes TV in 2020, we talk about things like who's getting killed, (laughs) who has screen time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's weird in a show that's literally about a serial killer because a lot of people are on the chopping block. But we are aware that they're, you know, that we live in the culture that we live in. Mm -hmm. We're telling this particular kind of story. But it's something that we talk about with Penn a lot. And we talk about it in the writer's room all the time. That's awesome. That's that's good to hear. Because I know that that's a it's a conversation on my timeline that's come up. And it's good to hear that that's actually being uh, being looked at. And not just mm-hmm. you know something that that is a, a afterthought after you know watching or like you know so something that comes up after people actually take the series in. That's I mean, even like a character like Delilah, who's right. a woman of color, um, and knowing that she dies in the book and isn't necessarily a woman of color in the book. You don't describe her one way or the other. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, um, but it just it it creates another level of conversation in the room. It's not like we have a rule one way or the other, mm-hmm. but we do like live in the world and we know that this is something people know. I mean, representation is something that people notice, yes. and then who gets killed is something that people notice. 100%, yeah. 100%. yeah, for me in those early days, I just kept thinking he's someone who knows he can get away with things, who mm-hmm. knows implicitly and has known no other way of life, have mm-hmm. known that like, that's that why people... Will says that to him. Mm-hmm. He's just like, nobody is going to suspect you. And then he gets hit by a brick. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I loved Robin Lord Taylor. Yeah. yeah. He has such a good voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that that unfortunately is, is our time. Oh. I really appreciate you two coming through here. Though I feel like we could... Uh, talk about we could talk about this a lot you know there's there's a lot more going on um hopefully you know knock on wood there's a season three maybe you guys can come back in at some point um greatly appreciate it thank you thank Thank you thanks for having us all right y'all before we get out of here we have to talk about the goddamn oscar nominations unfortunately special requests though shouts out to this guy coltrane on twitter 
Right. Yeah. Shouts out to my mans on Instagram. They want they don't want to just know the complex opinion. They want to know Fraser and Cal's opinion. It's always nice to see the the listeners engaged. You know, this is what we do. All eighteen of you. I don't know like what they expect us to say though. <laughs> like Oscars are trash, right? Uh very, very bummed to see gems have zero. But all right. Are you surprised though? Well, um, you know, when the nominations were rolling out, it was 5 a.m. Their time. So shout out to them. Shout out to John Cho and Issa Rae for waking up for that shit. But I, I hope that bag was so nice it to was be up at 5.30. 8 a.m. for us is still early for me. Red- so, <laughs> <laughs> facts, facts. I was mostly worried about just getting all the nominations out there. And then once I was finished tweeting and I saw that uh, there were no gems... I, again, no gems, people. No Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler was the biggest reach, yeah. I think. That that one is not surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is a little unfortunate that it didn't even get screenplay. Realistically, yeah. I think screenplay was probably the best option. That uh, that's what Jordan Peele won for Get Out. Right, and I think you know, outside of Best Picture, most of those nominations are still kept to five. So, like, if you look at Best Directors, it's like you know, yeah, it's stacked. But screenplay, I thought for sure they would shine. No shade to Jonathan Price in The Two Popes. But do we think I don't even. he had a better performance than Sandler did in Uncut Gems? Uh, I mean, I can Antonio Banderas, everybody loves Pain and Glory. Leonardo DiCaprio, I mean, obviously. Obviously. Adam Driver, Kylo Ren killed Marriage Story. You insist on calling that man Kylo Ren. That's his name. Okay. That's his name. And uh, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. Th- those were locks. Joker has 11 nominations. Yeah. The most it's... out of any film. <laughs> is 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 the, the Academy just full of incels? I... <laughs> I'm just wondering. I'm just, 11, it's, 11 seems high. We are going on, uh, what, three months now of me just really struggling to understand what people see in this movie. And I don't even hate it. No, it's no. like just aggressively just there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like know, I man. like jo- Joaquin is the only person I think sh- that should have gotten a nomination for sure, but it got ten others, and I don't want to <laughs> dwell on Oscars at all too much, so we're gonna Facts. go through this quickly. But let's just get it out there. Talk Do we it. think you know every year, every season, there's what they call an award season villain, which critics refer to as the um, a movie that's heavily favored that. Critics, at the very least, are all against, Word. but still has a lot of steam and momentum. Obviously, last year was Green Book, mm-hmm. which went on to win Best Picture. Do we think, darkest timeline, Joker wins Best Picture? It's possible. It, it would be possible if... That I th- would be nuts. I think the only thing that's <laughs> stopping it is 1917. Which is crazy. And just for people out there who are, you know, uh, I saw some comments in our IG saying, well, Jim's came out late. Um, that doesn't really matter to no. Academy voters. Nineteen Seventeen came out even later, and both of those movies were available for people to see long before their actual release date. Yeah, I think if if you want to really go about it correctly, Gems was out two weeks in its limited release before Nineteen Seventeen had its limited release. Right. So I, that, and that, sometimes that makes no sense. Uh, recency bias actually really affects these votes. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Well, but but I think um, shouts out to Brian, uh, a producer on the uh, on the video side here. He was basically. I think he even sent a tweet. It's basically like think about what the movies that your grandparents would rock with, and if your favorite doesn't fit that, 
it's probably not going to get an Oscar nomination. Right. Uh, that doesn't feel like it holds well with Joker, but I think at the very least, you've got Joaquin, plus you just have that massive like two, three, four-week conversation. behind. There's no way you could escape any type of Joker talk when that film was in its way to coming out and then when it actually hit theaters and blew up at the box office. Jojo Rabbit, I also saw a lot of people going, huh, about that. Jojo's kind of... I I'm I not, still haven't actually seen it. I don't hate Jojo Rabbit, but Jojo Rabbit does not feel as good of a film as some of these other films. Um, it was nice to see Parasite. Let's, let's, let's go yeah. positive a little bit. Parasite, Parasite, got Parasite getting noms. noms is great. I'm trying to be positive, but it was unfortunate to not see uh, Song Kang-ho. Yes. The nomination? Yes. I, there was a, even with a lot, a lot of the other awards shows and, and nominations that were coming up, there were questions about why the cast of Parasite wasn't getting any nominations. Right. But I mean, even so, this is still further than a lot of foreign films get, especially Korean films, weirdly. Uh, this this is the first Korean film to get that, that push, right? That's crazy. So, you know, um, you, you got to take it. You it's number one it. on a lot of lists and in a lot of hearts. Do we think Parasite could win Best Picture? It's it's probably one of the, the sleepers. I think... The, It'll get something. I think the real sleeper is going to be Ford versus Ferrari. I, I need to watch that. If you, I, if you want to go back to what you just quoted our dude saying about a uh, grandparents movie, facts. That is a grandparents movie. I um, yeah yeah. We had the award screener for that, but I wanted to see it in theaters just because you know loud cars. Yeah. So I finally saw it last week on one of the last showings because uh, you know new movies come in Thursdays mm-hmm. and they get pushed out, and it's been out for like three months or something now already. Yeah. So I finally caught like literally one of the last showings in theaters, and it was legit all. Oscar voter type looking <laughs> people around me. A whole bunch of grandpas. And Matt Damon has gotten so good at um, it kind of gave me Martian vibes mm-hmm. because he's gotten so good at perfecting that kind of like good natured role where it's like it's the script's full of like obvious jokes but he still makes them hit. Facts. You know like the Martian was dope. Facts. It's family friendly. And yeah. I, I, Ford has that same energy. It's old white guy So I think that well. might surprise a lot of people and, but you know that would be Better than some of the other films on this list. I have to ask you, there, there's because before we even you know started talking about this, the I, the question about Jennifer Lopez, did she deserve a nom for Hustlers? What? My thing is like, why not? This is her best performance. I'm not saying in a while. she should have won. I don't We're think just she would have nominations. Won. I don't think she would have won. I rewatched the movie over the holiday season. I saw it in theaters. Still uh, holds up. We saw this. Well, we saw the screening, so I saw it before theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, it holds up. Yeah, I think it's like if not, I think it sits right outside my top ten, top fifteen of the year for sure. Yes, and she gives a great. It's commanding. It's a commanding performance. Yeah, she sure. put. She literally puts the film on her back. It's 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 her. I don't care who's the star. Shouts out Constance Wu, all of that. But that is J Lo's film. I mean, if we look at supporting actresses, mm-hmm. you've seen JoJo. Yes. Could J-Lo have taken that that spot from ScarJo? I say yes, only because her role is so much smaller right. in the grand scheme of things. J-Lo, she, she could have gotten that from her. I don't know. I just think, like, yeah, you know, J-Lo didn't blow me away. No. It's a great performance. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when we think about Oscars, we let ourselves get too stuffy. Like, oh, well, it's not an Oscar film. Like, well, what is an Oscar? You know? No, it's Great it's performances a, at the end of the day. These are facts. It's a these fun movie. Facts. It's it is fun and like I said, it would have been dope. But I mean, she's also performing at the Super Bowl, so really. And to me, I thought it was a lock because that's just how these things work out yes. sometimes. Mm-hmm. They're in the same week, like in the same way that Travis Scott 
was the Super Bowl performer and the Grammy and had a crazy Grammys week too. Like, yes. Some of those things just kind of the stars just kind of align like that some way. Whether yeah. you want to think it's insider shit or jury rigging, whatever. I mean, some of it's just literally how the calendar folds. I mean, th- this is awards season. So I thought it was just going to be J Lo week. Right. It would have made sense, but they said fuck that. Well, I mean, we're talking about J Lo. Let's go full negative now. Let's <laughs> l- let's just hit the rest of the snubs. Um, I mean, black people in general, women in general. Yes, uh, there there were so many. Like, how do you have Little Women and Little Best Women Picture is up for everything, and but not have costume the, design, not have the woman who directed it. It doesn't make sense. Shouts out to Florence Pugh getting a nom, right? But let's be for real. She had the best uh, um, nominations reaction. On the gram today, I didn't see her re- her reaction. What was it? It's her in bed, just chilling. Yeah. I, I respect that, it. the actual moment she got the phone call. Oh wait, is that the is was that? Yeah, the- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which you know, our boy Zach Braff probably took those photos. Jesus, shouts out to Zach Braff. She's a name you should be if you're not up on Florence Pugh. I mean, obviously. Midsummer, she was even in fighting with my family, and she's about to hit the mainstream crazy this summer in uh, Black Widow. Yeah, going up against ScarJo, so it's interesting. It's very um, interesting. But going back to black people, Dolomite, uh, nothing. Eddie should have at least gotten something. I'm gonna assume Oscar voters don't care about Rudy Ray Moore, or I mean, do they care about Lupita putting on a clinic in Us? That people, that's the one that people are like, eh, because people are kind of saying Us is mid now, right? But I mean, again. A performance is sometimes better than the movie. That that goddamn fight scene. I mean, homegirl's fighting herself. I can't do that. And it's not just like, yo, I'm a swing, and then I'm a swing. It's I'm doing ballet steps right. with a whole pair of scissors. And she does all kind of like physical and facial tics in there. They're really dope. But that also kind of goes back into the Academy's um, longstanding disavowal of horror. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cynthia Revo did get a nomination for Harriet, though. I mean, but it's Harriet. Safe, safe choice. Very safe choice, and it's it's also like of the slave films that have come out over the last couple of years. It's one of the more tame ones in terms of like uh, graphic violence and everything. It's literally just homegirl making people run back and forth across a river. Now, this is one I don't personally care about because I thought the film was kind of just okay. Mm-hmm. But um, the word around town during award season these past couple of weeks or months mm-hmm. has been Taron Edgerton. Mm. has been campaigning hard. Like, campaigning goes into a lot of this. It's not just people watching movies. There's 100%. a whole lot of showing face. That's that's the reason and why... greasing hands. That's why Monique... Kissing babies. That's why Monique's in the spot she's in right now, because she, that wasn't her. So Taryn has been playing the game, mm-hmm. and you factor in the Globes win. I thought he would have been a shoe in for sure. You factor in what Bohemian Rhapsody did last year, and the exactly. fact that Rocket Man is not a dissimilar film. It's kind of crazy that he didn't get a nomination. Yeah, I, I know they got a song nomination. I don't think there's much else for Rocket Man out there though. Uh, De Niro, no De Niro for the Irishman again. No, I, I, I want to preface this by saying Netflix leads everyone in noms. They have like 24 nominations. A lot of them came from The Irishman, everything from film editing to cinematography to both Joe Pesci and Al Pacino being supporting actor nominations. Why not have the literal Irishman? The Irishman. The Irishman. The Irishman. It is literally his movie. And, you know, Pesci's great. Yes. Pacino might be my personal pick if you had to pick who bodies who among the three. I personally but, like Pesci, but I, I, I definitely understand that. I mean, you're not sitting through this movie without De Niro 100%. putting up a great performance. Over decades. 
It's weird. He had um, to be an old man trying to kick like a young man. Like what? <laughs> well, yeah, I can see why there's nothing for that scene. <laughs> that if was that's ru- the clip they saw. <laughs> he was not the most convincing there, but Jesus, uh, such is gravity. Um, <laughs> and I think Aquafina slash the farewell is the last one. I mean, nothing for Lulu Wang. Nothing yeah. for Aquafina. Nothing for uh, for Nai Nai. No. I, Shout out Nina. I'm not gonna butcher her name, but but her the woman that played her grandmother in that killed it. I lo- I loved her the most. Out. I just recently watched the farewell after she won the Globes and it won the Globe, and I was like, yeah, I can understand that. But I really love the grandmother a lot more. Very good movie. Definitely go peep those. It's kind of sad. And uh, just you know, go see uh, Uncut Gems again. Go yeah, be, <laughs> because Gems didn't get a nom. That should be proof that you need to just go back in and see it for something. Josh Benny, you're number one in our hearts. No, but again, there, there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of Oscar talk. We we ran down our biggest snubs on the site. Go to complex.com, hit that pop culture side, and we've got you covered. Um, there's going to be more Oscars talk coming into the Oscar awards. It's only a couple weeks away. It's only a couple of weeks away. Um, I think maybe at some point you might need to run down our own picks. Not this week. Yeah, why not? But we'll get around to it at some point. We'll stick around. So stick watch around. less Oscars. <laughs> Facts. That's our Oscars talk for now. Thank you guys for listening. Shouts out again to Sarah and Caroline from you for coming through. As always, like, comment, subscribe, follow Complex Pop on Instagram and Twitter. Go. We're everywhere. Watch less is literally everywhere. You just need to tell your friends to listen to it. We'll catch you next week. For Frasier, I'm Cal, advising you as always to tune in and watch Watch less. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,